everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is caught by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Come on, boy, boy, can you get it up? Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Glad you could join us this week. We've got a big show planned for you. This, our top 20 sports business radio stories of 2010. Before we get into those, a couple of notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can become our Facebook friend or follow me on Twitter. You can find those icons on the homepage at sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm on Twitter at SB Radio. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, your maiden voyage for the top 20 sports business stories of the year. Now, let me explain to everyone how this works. This is a compilation of stories that our crack staff here at Sports Business Radio put together, but it's also with input from you, the listener. We received emails. We received direct messages via Twitter. We received Facebook messages. And this is a compilation of what we feel, after all of that input, are the top 20 sports business stories of the year 2010. Griggs, I'm excited to unveil the list 20 through 11 this week and 10 through 1 next week on New Year's Day. Very excited. Uh, and of course, on Christmas Day and New Year's Day. Big days. It's going to be big shows. I'm excited to be here. Now, these have been closely guarded secrets. I mean, this has been locked in a vault for at least a week now. So many, many people wanted this list and it's being unveiled Today, happy holidays, and here's a greeting from my daughter. This is Sophia Berger. Happy holidays. Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. It's the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry. The Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. We are back. Brian Berger and Brian Griggs counting down the top 20 sports business radio stories of the year 2010. This week, stories 20 through 11. Next week, January 1st, 10 through 1. Let's start with story number 20. The evolution of sports media. Now, this is kind of a broad topic, Griggs, uh, but it encompasses so many things. Let's start with the growth of sports coverage on HDTV. That's really impacted not only TV ratings, which we've seen record TV ratings for the NFL this year. We've seen some terrific ratings for the NBA this year. But it's also impacting how many fans are going to games. Less fans attending games because the amenities at home Pretty terrific, which with the HDTV, you've got the red zone, as you were talking earlier, on uh, the NFL network. There's a lot of things you can do at home that you can't do at the game, and because of these emerging technologies, it's impacted several different areas of sports. Yeah, I agree, and like you said, I mean, the, the home setup now, with the, the TVs that are out there, the technology, uh, you know, the the networks, the NFL networks, the, it's just great. I mean, you can get the viewing, is, is phenomenal, the camera angles, everything they've got covers every aspect you'd ever want, just sitting in your home, and you got all the food and anything you want right there. It's a pretty nice setup. The other thing is, is the continued evolution of social media. We've seen Twitter and Facebook explode this year, and I'll give you a few examples. First of all, when news was broken this year, Tiger Woods lost a sponsor, LeBron James signs with the Heat, uh, free agency signings, Cliff Lee, Carl Crawford, Jason Worth. These are all things that were broken on Twitter. It's become instantaneous for reporters who can't write stories quickly enough or get on the air quick enough. They tweet it out. More soon, but here's the breaking news. And it's not just in sports. We've seen that across all different platforms, business and news. Um, A few examples this year of people who got themselves in trouble on Twitter. Washington Post sports columnist Mike Wise was suspended after breaking false news about Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. A lot of people speculated during the NBA free agent frenzy about where players were going to sign, and they were wrong. And, you know, it's just been interesting. There's apps out there that teams are using Foursquare. People go into a game and they're checking in. They're meeting with their friends. So the evolution of social media, really big this year. I expect it to grow. I talk to people and they go, you know, I think Twitter is a fad. I think it's going to go away. If it does, I think it's still going to remain pretty prevalent in 2011. And I don't think Facebook is going anywhere, as we've seen. You know, Mark Zuckerberg, man of the year for Time Magazine, 500 million people on Facebook. That's only growing. And teams and uh, other sports organizations have really learned that if they want to communicate with their fans, they've got to be active on social media. It's also been interesting to see Tiger Woods got on Twitter this year. LeBron James got on Twitter this year. Athletes that weren't on Twitter have embraced it as a technology to communicate with their fans and try and establish their brand. Yeah, I think the thing that's cool about Twitter, too, is it it makes the fan feel like they're right there with the athlete. I mean, you can read the words right there typed from LeBron or whoever it is. I mean, you assume it's him typing it, but I think it connects that fan and athlete a lot more than we've ever seen before. Well, and we've seen athletes tweet out pictures and video and really 
behind the scenes type of access and that's like you said what the fans want and it's authentic so that's uh you know it's kind of removed the media as the middle person in some cases and some athletes have broken news in beating the journalist to the punch so it's been interesting by the way we are on twitter at sb radio if you want to follow us all right the 19th biggest story of the year 2010 mark emmert the former president and the university of washington he's named the president of the ncaa he started on the job in early october he replaces the late dr miles brand and i'll tell you Hint, hint, we have some stories coming up dealing with the NCAA later in our countdown. But Mark Emmert has his hands full. When he was on the show with me in October, I asked him this question. Let's talk about some of the challenges that lie ahead for you. Your old colleague at the University of Washington Athletic Director, Scott Woodward, was recently quoted in the USA Today saying, the NCAA is worried about abiding by jaywalking rules when we have serial killers on the loose. I think Mark understands there are a lot of people out there who really need to be looked at and scrutinized, and instead of the NCAA worrying about how many text messages a coach sent to a kid, we need to catch the guys who are doing really bad stuff. On that point, I think you'll see some rad changes. Mark, over the past few months, things have changed significantly with the NCAA cracking down on improper contact and relationships between agents and student athletes. We've seen high profile programs such as USC, North Carolina falter. There's a piece in this week's edition of Sports Illustrated where former sports agent Josh Lux confesses to paying as many as 30 college athletes, describes the influence agents have over college athletes and their inner circles. Might we see you expand your enforcement staff in an effort to solve this problem or at least make it better? Well, I haven't made any decisions about uh, expanding staff in that arena, but I'm very pleased with that work that's been going on to try and tackle the the agent issue. It's it's a very good example of, of the complexity of some of the challenges that we face, and the only way you can really get at the root causes of those issues is is through collaboration with uh, a variety of folks. The NCAA can't do it alone. We have to have support of the of professional sports and the players' associations and of the coaches and of the the many many agents who who are very good actors and for whom this is a very important profession. Uh, and and then of course we have to also hold student athletes accountable for their behavior. And and so what we what we need to do is uh, to go back to my good friend Scott Woodward's. Uh, uh, flowery quote is, we do have to focus on the big picture and and take on these issues, but bring other people into the fold and try and get behavioral change to occur. It's not just about enforcement. It's also about education. It's about making sure that we're rewarding the right kind of behavior and punishing the wrong kind of behavior. Uh, it's going to take a, a systemic approach to really make progress. That is Mark Emmert, the new president of the NCAA. That is the 19th biggest story of the year 2010, according to our list. The 18th biggest story of the year 2010, the breakup of Dodgers co-owners Frank and Jamie McCourt. Griggs, what a nightmare, and it's fitting that this is playing out in Los Angeles and Hollywood, uh, all the drama that has taken place with this. But what it's done is it's really hamstrung the Los Angeles Dodgers and their payroll and their ability to spend money, sign free agents, trade for players, because you've got these two owners who are arguing over who owns the team, and a court 
in December ruled that Jamie McCord is half owner of the Dodgers. So what happens from here? Frank is going to appeal, and we may not know for months, maybe even a year or more, who the owner of the Dodgers is. And as I said earlier in the month on this show, it's probably going to result in the McCourt's having to sell the Dodgers because neither one is going to be able to afford to buy the other one out. They were heavily leveraged from day one when they purchased this team, and unless they can put together an impressive group of investors, it's probably going to mean changing ownership for the Dodgers, which would actually be a good thing for fans of the Dodgers. Yeah, I agree, and it's just a mess. I mean, there's money involved, there's just some anger involved, fans involved, teams involved. It's crazy. Like you said, Hollywood at its finest. I mean, you can just see TV, movie coming down the road, you know, a couple years from there. I mean, this is crazy. We'll see where this goes. The San Diego Padres a few years ago, their owners, husband and wife, got a divorce. Neither one could buy the other one out, and the team ended up being sold. I think that's what's going to happen here with the Dodgers. All right, coming up next, 17, 16, and 15 are top 20 stories of the year 2010. We're unveiling 20 through 11 this week. And then on New Year's Day, 10 through 1, you're listening to Sports Business Radio. Happy holidays. More of our countdown of the top 20 sports business stories of the year coming up next. Every week of the month and every month of the year, he's got us making presents and I'm happy. Every girl and boy gets their own kind of toy. We like to fill them with joy. We're working overtime to make them happy. Then on Christmas Eve, we jump on big red sleigh. We don't miss a chimney on our jolly way. We won't stop until every kid gets a fill. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We're back and we're counting down the top 20 Sports Business Radio stories of the year 2010, 20 through 11 this week, 10 through 1 next week. We're on number 17. The 17th biggest story of the year 2010 in sports business the Chicago Blackhawks win the Stanley Cup. Griggs, any time a team in Chicago wins a championship, especially after the heyday of the Bulls, it's big news. And the Blackhawks had not won since 1961. They were a brand that was in sore need of a championship. And it was really a great story to see them 
go through the playoffs very unexpectedly and uh, win the whole thing. Yeah, it was an exciting. I mean, I enjoy I enjoy hockey. I grew up uh, watching our local team here in Portland, and you know, I follow the NHL somewhat. And uh, it was exciting. It was fun to see Chicago win. Like I said, big city, so it gets you get the media, you get the excitement of the fans. It was a fun. It was fun to see it happen. So good for good for Chicago. And the NHL as a whole, good ratings for the Stanley Cup. I mean, we're not talking uh, Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL type of ratings, but they're more than just a blip on the radar, and it's allowed them to go to the bargaining table, which will probably uh, come to fruition in 2011, and hopefully it's going to result in them being on a TV network a little bit more widely seen than Versus. That's still their biggest problem is distribution. There's just not enough people that have Versus. Their product isn't seen by enough people. There's talk they may be back on ESPN. They've had a good partnership with NBC. I think because of HDTV, it's really helped hockey on TV. You can follow the puck much better. It's actually a pretty uh, terrific sport to watch in high-definition TV. Our 16th biggest story of the year 2010, transferring schools, musical chairs with universities going to different conferences. Nebraska joins the Big Ten. BYU goes independent. Colorado and Utah join the Pac-10. TCU joins the Big East. This was musical chairs, Griggs, and a lot of it had to do with TV money and conferences like the Big 12 and the Pac-10 trying to form super conferences. Yeah, and it definitely was hype. I mean, you know, uh, for Pac-10, for instance, I mean, it was going to be the big, the 16 because they had Texas on the mind, you know, and these big schools, Oklahoma maybe, and then it kind of broke down. But man, I mean, the new, we were all over it. I, I mean, I was watching that every day, wondering who's going to sign here, who's going to go here, and it was it was kind of fun watching it and see how it all played out. Not quite as big as in the end, but still fun to to watch out what happened. Well, and make no mistake about this, this all was because of money. It's teams who wanted more money, wanted more rights fees for TV revenue. You look at Texas, who ended up staying in their conference, they got more money from that conference. They're going to make a lot more money from their TV deal. Uh, You look at Colorado and Utah joining the Pac-10. Now Larry Scott, the commissioner of that conference, is going to be able to go to the bargaining table with the networks and say, we've got a footprint in two more states that we didn't have before, Colorado and Utah, Denver, Salt Lake City, top 25 TV markets. So this is all about the conferences trying to add big fan bases, media markets, so when they go to the bargaining table for TV networks, they can say it's worth this much more money to us. So that is the 16th biggest story of the year, 2010. The 15th biggest story of the year, 2010, the NCAA signs a new multi-billion, not million, billion dollar contract with CBS and Turner to carry March Madness. It's a 14-year TV, internet, and wireless rights deal. It's again with CBS Sports and Turner Broadcasting to present the Division I Men's Basketball Championship beginning in 2011, continuing, Griggs, through 2024. Total value of the deal, $10.8 billion. For those who say that college sports is amateur athletic, 
Try that one on for size. $10.8 billion. That's a lot of do-re-mi. Unbelievable. And, uh, you know, CBS does a great job. They always have done a great job. So I'm excited that <laughs> it's sticking there. But, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, signing a dotted line like that for that many years and that much money, unbelievable. And uh, it'll be fun to, to just to see how it continues to play out on CBS. Well, and we talked about this a lot on the show this year, too. The whole BCS versus a playoff format. We had Dan Wetzel, one of the authors of Death to the BCS, that book on our show. And we talked about BCS versus a playoff. And, you know, it's pretty apparent that if the people at the NCAA, if the university presidents got on board with a playoff system, they would make five or six times as much as they're making from the BCS system that exists right now. And all you have to do is look at this deal. NCAA men's basketball, just Division One, $10.8 billion. I would say a football deal would probably dwarf this deal because football, much bigger sport popularity-wise in this country than basketball is. Now, as part of this basketball agreement, all games will be shown live across four networks, CBS, TBS, TNT, and True TV. And again, this begins in 2011. Now, also, there's a format change with the NCAA tournament. The final four at-large teams and the final four automatic qualifiers in the newly minted 68-team NCAA men's basketball tournament field will meet for the right to enter the traditional 64-team draw. And the first four will be played either the Tuesday or Wednesday after Selection Sunday. The winners of the four games will advance to what is now called the second round on either Thursday or Friday. The newly named third round with 16 games will be Saturday and Sunday. The rest of the tournament, the regional semifinals, which is the Sweet 16, the regional finals, the Elite Eight, they'll remain as they have been, as will the Final Four, which is set this year for Houston. So it's going to be interesting this year watching across four different networks, Watching a lot more, I'm sure, you know, every year we're seeing the apps improve, uh, the ability to watch this on your computer and your handheld devices. This is big. And now that you've got Turner Broadcasting involved with CBS, it's going to get more and more coverage. And don't forget, Griggs, the NCAA ripped up their their deal that they had before and basically said, we're throwing away the final few years of that deal. We're starting a new deal, which again, 14-year deal goes to the year 2024. Yeah, it's crazy, and I like it because it's it's spread across a couple more networks. You're going to get probably a little bit more coverage, uh, kind of like the Olympics where they show it, you know, different NBC networks. It's going to be more like, hey, you can catch this game over here, flip over to this game. I think it's going to be cool. I'm looking forward to it. Well, and one of the greatest things about watching the NCAA tournament is, you know, the whole David versus Goliath aspect. We love watching, you know, 16 versus 1 or 2 versus 15 and seeing what happens and, and how it plays out. And uh, it'll be interesting to watch that for sure. All right, the 14th biggest story of the year, 2010. The Los Angeles Lakers repeat, and they beat the Celtics in seven games. Thrilling NBA Finals, and the series-clinching win over the Boston Celtics, Game 7, seen by 28.2 million viewers, making it the most watched NBA game since Michael Jordan won his sixth and final championship in 1998. Other parts of this victory for the Lakers. Phil Jackson wins his 11th title, breaks Red Arbach's record. 
Kobe Bryant wins his fifth title to move within one of Michael Jordan. And then Ron Artest. This guy turns out to be a hero, not only in Game 7, but then he thanks his shrink in the post-game interview, and he's done a lot to raise uh, awareness for mental health. So Ron Artest, who a few years ago was banned by the league for the brawl at the Palace at Auburn Hills, now is seen as one of the, the good guys in the league and a guy who's raising awareness for mental health. Only in America, Greg. <laughs> Only, yeah. And you, you got to love the thanking of the shrink after the game because that's so art test. You're just waiting for him to do something off the wall or corny or offensive, something that's going to push the, the envelope. And sure enough, he thanks his shrink after the game. Love it. It was shocking. And then he took his championship ring and said, I'm going to auction it off. People buy lottery tickets, and it raised a lot of money for mental health awareness. So kudos to Ron Artest, and we'll have more stories coming up in our countdown of people who have had their trials and tribulations in the past, but have seemingly turned things around for the future. All right, coming up in our next segment, we are going to count down stories 13 12 and 11 and then on next week's show we're going to unveil our top 10 sports business radio stories of the year 2010 we're also on next week's show going to talk about the stories that we think are going to be amongst the biggest in the year 2011 you're listening to sports business radio we'll be right back we're counting down the top 20 sports business stories of the year the show continues after this a newborn king to see pa-rum-pa-pum-pum Our finest gifts we bring pa-rum-pa-pum-pum Rum-pa-pum-pum, rum-pa-pum-pum Peace on earth, can it be Years from now, perhaps we'll see Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, We'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. 
And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back counting down the top 20 Sports Business Radio stories of the year 2010, 20 through 11 this week, 10 through 1 next week on New Year's Day. We are at number 13. The 13th biggest story of the year 2010, the whispers about the NFL and NBA work stoppages. The collective bargaining agreements expire in 2011, but Griggs, even though we're months away, there was constant chatter this year. And there were things that happened that affected the play on the field. So the NFL is playing with an uncapped season this year because of the fact that there's no collective bargaining agreement in place. The NBA... Lots of things are happening. We saw a lot of free agent deals handed out this past summer by a lot of owners who thought, you know, I'm going to give this money out now, but I'm going to get, oh, 33, 25% of that money back. So I'll pay it out, but I won't end up paying that money that I ended up paying out. So if I pay out $100 million, maybe get 30 million of it back or so. Uh, Whether that happens remains to be seen, but that's the mentality that NBA and NFL owners and general managers have been operating under this past season. Yeah, and I think this is something that, you know, we kind of all saw it coming. And I think, like you're saying, it kind of came out, you know, maybe even sooner than we all thought and started the chatter and the deals. You're starting to see the business offices doing stuff differently, knowing this stuff's on the horizon. And here we are just on the doorstep of it. Well, and the leagues have had to prepare not only the league offices, but the teams. Okay, what happens if there is a lengthy work stoppage? What is our plan of attack? Because this has happened before. And some of these teams and leagues were caught with their pants down, so to speak, and they don't want to be caught off guard again. So it's important that there are contingency plans in place if there are lengthy work stoppages. The NFL, and we had Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports on a few weeks ago, what it really comes down to is will there be an agreement on an 18-game season? If there is, I think this thing could be solved either you know, shortly after the first of the year or definitely, you know, by March or April or so before the combines and before the draft. Because of the fact that you add those two games, it's more revenue for the owners and they won't ask the players to give as much back as if there's only a 16-game season. Yeah, now, think- one, one of the things, Greg, is that The players have been frustrated that the owners haven't opened up their books in their financial statements as much as they would have liked. And they've said, look, you know, you're making $100 million a piece from the TV deal. And then, you know, you've got your gate and your merchandise. How are you losing money? You're telling us, the players, that you're losing money. Show us how you're losing money if you're going to ask us to give money back. And the owners have been reluctant to do that thus far. Yeah, and I think, uh, like you were saying, Charles Robinson hit on the head, it's that 18 game, if they can get that done, because that's the more money. That's what they're looking for. When they know, okay, we added two more games, we're going to get that much more money, we can do that. And it makes the play, you know, players are, are involved with that, too, and uh, I think it's gonna, that's what's going to be the sealer on that one. The NFL is a $9 billion league. It is the biggest league 
by far in the United States. There's a lot of money, $9 billion to argue over. If you can't decide how to split that pie, you got problems. And I think the NFL and its players know that. They know that the fans are going to have no sympathy for them if there's a work stoppage. It's going to really hurt the image of the league. And at the end of the day, the owners who try and promote these players... If they have to sit on the other side of the table and belittle them, it certainly doesn't help the brand of their league. Now, the NBA, I think this is going to be a bloodbath. And we had Rick Buecher from ESPN on a few weeks ago to talk about that. And it's a foregone conclusion in most people's mind that there is going to be a work stoppage in the NBA. I particularly, I don't want to be chicken little here, but I think it's going to be very much like the NHL work stoppage that lasted 311 days. The owners want a core economic shift in how business is done in the NBA. The players want things to go on as they are. They want to have six-year maximum contracts. They want to have guaranteed contracts, even if they're injured. Uh, They want 57% of the basketball-related revenue. The owners don't. The owners say expenses have climbed. We've got locked into bad contracts. We want to have you know, one or two-year contracts, maybe three-year contracts, but no more of these six-year contracts. We want you to bring that 57% of the basketball-related revenues more towards you know, 47 or 48%. And they're far apart in their divide. Now, the interesting thing with both the NFL and the NBA is – all the NFL teams have already voted to decertify their unions if need be. The NBA is in that process right now. If it goes to that point and we are dealing with unions being decertified, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, we got major problems. And you're not going to see pro football or pro basketball at the highest levels in this country for a while. Again, I think the NFL deal is going to get worked out. I think Demora Smith, who's at his first fight at the OK Corral, Roger Goodell, same thing, the commissioner of the NFL, they know that the pressure is on them to get a deal done. I think they're going to get a deal done. There's too much at risk not to. I think the NBA owners and players, there's just some things that are out of whack with the economic model of the NBA. Too many of the small market teams are losing money, and I think this is going to be a work stoppage that lasts for a while. That is the 13th biggest story of the year, 2010. And I'll tell you, if you're looking ahead to 2011, that may be the number one story of 2011. The 12th biggest story of the year, 2010, some notable sports deaths this year, Griggs. Some giants left us. Let's start with John Wooden, the coach of UCLA, who won numerous championships, who impacted the lives of so many young men, whether it was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who was Lou Alcindor when he was at UCLA, Bill Walton, the list goes on and on and on. He was a teacher of basketball, and to many people who never knew about James Naismith, who invented the game of basketball, a lot of people thought John Wooden was as close as you get to the father of basketball. He was such a brilliant man, uh, such a classy man. I had the honor of meeting with him a few different times, and I attended the Wooden Awards uh, in 1990, and just a great man and big loss for the basketball world, because here's a guy who was not only a great basketball coach, not only a great teacher, 
but a really good man and a guy who was involved in the community and impacted the lives of so many men who didn't go on to play pro sports, but just were people who uh, went on to be good fathers, good husbands, and uh, he will sorely be missed. Yeah, and he's one of those guys I'm jealous of you because I would love to meet him because he is so much more than just sports. I mean, he's such a, a, just a good guy, you know, a good father and all that, and so much more to the, his players. I mean, just The interviews we heard after he died of his players, uh, just saying it was it was deeper than basketball. It was just, yeah, he taught me how to be a man, how, he, how to be a parent, how to be a coach of my own team, whatever. So that was cool. I think uh, I would have loved to meet him because he was just so much of a, a stand-up guy. Well, and he was a great father and a great husband. And, uh, you know, he, he lived a long life, so that's the good news. He lived into his 90s and, uh, you know, had a, a fulfilling life. But he will certainly be missed. There will be a big void in the basketball world and in the sports world because of his absence. The other person who was a giant and some people didn't like him, but say what you want, he may have had the biggest impact on sports in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. It was George Steinbrenner, the owner of the Yankees. I mean, this is a guy who uh, transcended sports. We saw his character on Seinfeld. Uh, you know, he was in Miller Lite beer commercials. This is a guy who just became synonymous with kind of the tyrant. But he had a big heart, too. And because of that, he overpaid a lot of guys. People knew, you know what, if I want to get rich, I'm going to George Steinbrenner and I'm going to the Yankees. And he made teams competitive. He took the Yankees' value through the roof. They went from, you know, worth millions of dollars to worth billions of dollars. He started the Yes Network. He built a beautiful new stadium in New York, the new Yankee Stadium. So... His legacy will not only live on through his sons, who are now running the team, Hank and Howe, but you know, for years to come, the Yankees are now an iconic franchise that were made that way because of George Steinbrenner. Couldn't agree more. I think, yeah, he, he put the Yankees... Yankees have always been a big team, but he really put them on the map as the team to beat the team to play for if you're a player. And like you said, you know, he, he loved to give the money out. And, and look at the team now. I mean, it's always been a team stacked with all-stars and stacked with players that can play the game. And I think he's key in, in making the Yankees that big of a team. Yeah, they're bigger than life, and he made them that way, so he will be missed as well. Some other passings. Ernie Harwell, the longtime announcer for the Detroit Tigers. Bob Shepard, the longtime public address announcer for the Yankees. Bob Feller, one of the greats, played for the Cleveland Indians. And Andy Irons, just a young man, a surfer, died in a tragic surfing accident. Uh, that was tough news for the surfing world. Those are some of the, the notable sports deaths from the year 2010. That's our 12th biggest story of the year. Our 11th biggest story of the year 2010 and our last story that we will count down for this week, athletes in trouble with the law. Griggs, we have this every single year, but there were two athletes in particular. First, Gilbert Arenas. He was ordered to spend 30 days in a halfway house for his conviction on gun charges stemming from a locker room confrontation with a teammate. Arenas was sentenced to 400 hours of community service, was fined $5,000, but the real expensive part of this for him, he was suspended by the NBA 
From January 27th through the remainder of the season, that cost him $7 million in salary. He lost his endorsement deal with Adidas. He was one of the faces of Adidas basketball. He was dropped by his other endorsers. He's since very recently been traded by the Washington Wizards to the Orlando Magic, has four years and $60 million left on his deal. But he was an athlete that made headlines, especially in Washington, D.C. You don't bring guns to a locker room, and it just shows what a knucklehead this guy was. And then after this happened, what got him suspended for the rest of the year, in addition to his stupid actions, was when there was starting lineups being announced at the Verizon Center in D.C., he starts doing the little, you know, the air guns. And people are like, is this guy really that stupid? And Commissioner Stern was not going to stand for that kind of behavior and cost Gilbert Arenas $7 million in salary this past season. Yeah, it's just one of those moments like you want to hold him by the collar and say, what are you thinking? I mean, the guns in the locker room and then the whole dance thing with the guns. It's like you think that Stern's going to say, oh, that's funny. No, don't worry about it. Unbelievable. The other big athlete who found himself in trouble not counting Tiger Woods. He'll be on the show next week. Ben Roethlisberger. Boy, he made news. Roethlisberger was suspended the first four games of the 2010 NFL season. He was accused of sexually assaulting a Georgia college student following a night of drinking in Georgia in a bar. Um, He's also being sued in Nevada by a woman who says he sexually assaulted her in 2008. No charges were brought about in that case. But Roethlisberger, in addition to losing his salary for the first four games, he was dropped by PLB Sports, and he really became a pariah in Pittsburgh, a city that does not stand for this kind of behavior. The Steelers have always been a family-run organization run by the Rooney family, and people in Pittsburgh not happy at all about the behavior of Ben Roethlisberger, who has since kept his nose clean, and we'll keep our eyes on him in 2011. All right, coming up next, our final segment of this week's show in a preview of our show next week where we count down the top 10 stories of the year 2010. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is SBR's Top 20 Sports Business Stories of the Year. More of the countdown next. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or or what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. We're back for our final segment of the year 2010 when we join you next week. It'll be January 1st of 2011 and we'll be counting down our top 10 Sports Business Radio stories of the year 2010. Griggs, it's Christmas Day. 
any special gifts that uh, you gave or received this year? Well, uh, I have to go back to when I was probably about seven or eight years old. My parents got me one of those little uh, Casio, I think it was Casio or, or something, uh, um, keyboard. And I've always been, I'm, I'm a radio guy from when I was born. So mm-hmm. I love sounds and music and noise and everything. This thing only had about 26 keys, but the thing that was cool was the sound effects built in this thing. I mean, it had any kind of like a laugh, you know, of course, as, as, as boys, me and my brother had the burps and the, you know, the inappropriate sounds we yes. loved hitting. And uh, it's just... I'm I, sure your parents oh, love that. They're like, why did we get them that? Because I mean, literally, we play with that for years. I mean, I still remember it. I remember the sounds it made. I, don't, I wish I still had it lying around because... It was the bomb. Best. So ever. if E Hollywood True Story ever does <laughs> yeah. a, a story on you, they'll go back and they'll find you with yes. this gift making the inappropriate sounds Correct. for your yeah. parents and all the kids <laughs> in the neighborhood. <laughs> Definitely. Excellent. I'll tell you the the gift I was introduced to this year, the pillow pet. My daughter wanted a pillow pet, so I had to go out and find a pillow pet. And not only did she want a pillow pet, she wanted like the most difficult one to find. She wanted the elephant. You can find the ladybug and the unicorn and the dog. Those are all plenty at the store. <laughs> this one, I had to like call the manufacturer, get it online. Uh, it was interesting, but uh, Santa came through, and uh, my six-year-old got her pillow pet, and she was very nice. happy <laughs> about that. All right, coming up on our show next week, again, the top ten stories of the year 2010 some really big stories as we were compiling this list i can't remember a year where we've had bigger stories want to wish everyone out there a merry christmas and happy holidays want to thank our show staff for all the great work they've done this year in 2010 brian griggs josh blank jared melzer darren peck ron barr james harris and doug zanger our sponsors the warsaw sports marketing center at the university of oregon Calcoff bikes and new school media coaching a podcast reminder you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week just go to sportsbusinessradio.com you can click on the itunes link or you can click on the podcast link get our show on demand whenever you want whenever it's convenient for you to listen and we're on Twitter at SB Radio. Merry Christmas to you and yours. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great holiday, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio.